What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and today we have a great fantasy football preview episode for you. And now, I mean, me personally, I've won my fair share of fantasy football trophies, but I figured I'd need someone with a little bit more uh, experience and firepower to really drive the point home for us today. So that's why I'm happy to be joined with Marcus Grant. Marcus, how you doing? Doing fantastic, Jonathan. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Great to have you on. So today we were thinking, you know, as well as talking about fantasy football, I figured it would be, you know, a great experience to do a mock draft as well. So as that loads up, we're, we're just going to, you know, talk a little bit about your experience in, in fantasy football. So how many years have you been doing fantasy football, whether that's, you know, talking about it or just playing the game itself? Well, uh, I started playing, geez, back in the mid-90s. Uh, I, my first league that I joined, I was a freshman in college. Okay. And uh, I, I sort of co-managed the team with two of my friends. We thought we knew a whole lot about football. We learned that we didn't really know that much about <laughs> fantasy football real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny, I tell people all the time, this was like, it was so long ago, the internet wasn't a thing yet. So <laughs> when we would, we would submit our lineups, um, we would actually get on the phone. We would call the commissioner, usually leave a message on his answering machine, giving him what our starting lineup was going to be. Um, you know, if we had a last minute change, if somebody got hurt, we'd have to try to call him early on Sunday morning and let him mm-hmm. know. And then to like figure out our scores. Uh, Cause like I said, I was a freshman. We lived on campus. The commissioner was a senior who lived off campus. So maybe we would get our scores by like Wednesday or Thursday of that week. Otherwise <laughs> we would just, we would just try to like dig through the newspaper, like on Monday or Tuesday and look at the box scores and like figure out how many points we possibly had. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest, growing up in the, um, you know, in the early 2000s, late 2000s, the internet really, you know, you know, you can't really think of fantasy football outside of the internet. And, you know, right. now we have so many, so many tools, so many analysts, so much access to it. It, it feels like the information's a lot easier to grab, which is, which is really cool. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's made, it, it's made it easier for, I think, a lot more people to sort of get involved, mm-hmm. which is, it's sort of nice. It, it, the internet without a doubt, maybe has been the biggest single thing that's helped fantasy sports grow. Yeah, no doubt. And one of the best things in my mind about fantasy football is the creativity with the names. So can you give me a few of your favorites that you've either used or you've heard uh, as far as, as uh, team names go in fantasy football? Yeah, I know a lot of people kind of go with the puns based on player names. Um, like one year, I decided to to name all my teams based on like Breaking Bad themes. Okay. Uh, so I had like uh, I had Skinny Pete Carroll. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think what else did I have. I had a bunch of them that were all sort of Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that uh, my my friend and colleague Adam Rank, one of the favorites that that I've seen from him is uh, he went South Park themed. Okay. When uh, the Dolphins had Chad Henney and his team name was Oh My God They Killed Henney, um, <laughs> I did go with Matt, Mad Matt Forte Road after uh, the Mad Max movie came okay. out a couple of years ago. So yeah, I mean stuff like that's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my personal favorite, uh, since I'm a Colts fan, is Andrew Luck's Book Club, which I mean that's <laughs> that's just one I've I've liked to use. Um, I've kind of recycled it just because you know some people know and the people that know you you understand you know really get the inside of football. So that's that's kind of cool. Um, but let's go ahead and talk right here as we're getting into the first round of the mock. So there's a lot of question marks um, with a lot of these guys that are in uh, the, the top areas of, of the draft. So first off, is Saquon your number one guy overall? Like, do you, can you, do you even fathom taking another guy number one overall? Uh, or is, what's, what do you think? 
I have made the argument for Christian McCaffrey a lot this year. Um, you know, part of it start part of it started sort of I won't say as a joke, but part of it was just to stir up conversation because I felt like it would be a boring summer if we all just said Saquon's the number one pick, let's move on. Like mm-hmm. I felt like we should have some conversation. So I started with Christian McCaffrey, but I think you can make a legitimate case for him at the top. I mean, the, the thing that worries me the most. Yeah, everybody talks about the Giants' offense and how bad it was last year, and I agree, and, and he still was able to be successful. The problem is I think that offense has gotten even worse now. They mm-hmm. lost Odell Beckham Jr. in the offseason to a trade. Uh, right now you know, they've, they've got injuries with Sterling Shepard having a thumb injury. Golden Tate is suspended for the first four games. Eli Manning is just a year older, and I'm starting to wonder whether or not all of the focus defensively becomes on Saquon, whereas the Panthers – can at least spread the ball around. There are other guys you have to respect, whether it's Cam Newton, whether it's Curtis Samuel, uh, Greg Olson, depending on how healthy he is. There are other things you have to defend in order to be successful. Um, and so I think that helps Christian McCaffrey a little bit more. So that's that's the guy. And as, as we say that, our draft has started and somebody took Christian McCaffrey as the number one yeah, overall. Yeah, man, it's, it's almost like we planned it. No. <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I'm interested to see if they'll give him more of a workload in regards to the running game. Because, I mean, we've seen him like, take two, low 200 carries, whereas most guys are, are approaching 300, not quite, just under. But, I mean, he makes up for that by being the best pass catcher on his team, you know, leading them in receptions last year. Um, another thing that I was thinking about, Alvin Kamara. So, obviously, Mark Ingram is gone. He signed with the Ravens this past year. And Mark Ingram was their goal line guy, doing a lot of the, you know, the, the rough and tough stuff. And Alvin Kamara was the receiving back who had a lot of speed and, you know, carried the ball as well. Do you think uh, his production is going to go up or down with the loss of Mark Ingram, or do you think the Saints are going to go to another guy to be their workhorse? I think it's going to stay fairly steady, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think I think I think we are sort of undervaluing Latavius Murray as the number two guy there. I think he does a lot of the dirty work that that Mark Ingram did. I think he gets a lot of those carries down near the goal line. Um, I mean, part of it is that the Saints just from a real football standpoint, I mean, they, they are a Super Bowl contender. They have plans to play deep into January and possibly get to the Super Bowl this year. But to do that, they understand that they need Alvin Kamara to be healthy all year long. And mm-hmm. so I just don't think that you're going to see the Saints overwork him. So I don't know, you know, I don't know how that breaks down. If that means he gets used less early in the season, if he gets rested later in the season, I'm not sure. But they're just not going to load him up with, say, 25 to 30 touches a game because the last thing they need is for him to get worn down or, you know, even worse, he gets hurt and they don't have him available. So that means Latavius Murray should see the ball quite a bit this year. All right, so I've got two more questions for running backs that are likely going to go in the first round. So first is Ezekiel Elliott. So obviously he has his holdout, uh, you know, going on right now. Hasn't shown up at training camp yet. Do you think we'll see him soon, and how much can we rely on him, especially if we're making him our first-round pick this year in fantasy football? Yeah, I still believe he's going to be there. Um, you know, how long this exactly goes, I don't know. Like, maybe it goes all the way through training camp. Um, you know, maybe even, you know, worst-case scenario, we get into the regular season and he's not there. But I just don't think this is going to last long. Like, I don't, I don't think this is a situation like we saw last year um, with, with Le'Veon Bell where he missed the whole season. The Cowboys are known for paying their guys, right? Jerry Jones will find a way to pay Ezekiel Elliott. And I flash back to 1993. Dallas was in a similar situation. Uh, Emmett Smith was holding out. He wanted more money. Jerry Jones kind of held fast and said, we're not going to pay this guy. We're not going to give him a new contract. 
Then the Cowboys started the season 0-2, and all of a sudden, Jerry changed his tune. He found a way to get Emmitt Smith the money he wanted. Emmitt came back. The Cowboys went on to be great. I kind of feel that happening again this year. I mean, this is this is different to me than the Melvin Gordon situation, where I think Melvin Gordon's going to miss a lot of games this year. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that with Ezekiel Elliott. So uh, I, I think he's a guy that you can still pick safely within the top five and think he's going to be pretty successful for you this year. Yeah, and uh, I, had my, I had the fifth pick in our uh, eight-team mock draft, and I went ahead with Le'Veon Bell. And so the reason I went with Le'Veon Bell, I know last year he disappointed a lot of people by not playing uh, during the season, but I feel like this year going to the Jets, Sam Darnold obviously has been making steps to being, you know, a really good quarterback. And also, you know, they, they, they did a lot, you know, assigning Jamison Crowder. I have a lot of faith in Robbie Williams, and I think that's going to help Le'Veon Bell you know, build his team or build, build the Jets team and be a focal point of that offense. But you went David Johnson. So what's your, uh, what's your reasoning for going with David Johnson here? I I like David Johnson. I I legitimately could make a case for picking him ahead of Ezekiel Elliott anyway, but certainly with the holdout, uh, I think, I think, you know, it definitely makes me feel a little bit safer. Part of it is that, you know, he right now is, is going to get the ball a lot in this offense. If everybody loves Cliff Kingsbury's offense, or at least what it can be, uh, David Johnson's going to be on the field all the time. He's going to he's going to be all over the formation, whether it's as a running back, whether it's as a wide receiver. Uh, he arguably is the best pass catcher on that team. We know he's their best running back, and he says he wants to have a thousand rushing yards and a thousand receiving yards. And I think with the opportunity he can get in this offense, if it really is productive, uh, I think that's very possible for him. Everybody talks about how he had a bad season last year, and I guess, relatively speaking, he did, but he was still the running back nine at the end of the year. So it's not as though he completely fell off to our lofty expectations. Um, So I I, I feel comfortable certainly taking him in the top five, maybe even, like I said, I can make a case for him at number four even. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. My big question for them is, I mean, the Cardinals themselves aren't a talented team. You know, I mean, they've signed Kyler Murray, but there's still a lot of question marks all around the ball. And so I'm the only thing I'm worried about with him is, uh, you know, will he get, you know, it, well, first off, can he be completely healthy and all that stuff? And can he stay healthy throughout the season? But I guess following that, I went, let's see, where, who did, who did you Michael go? Thomas. Michael Thomas. There Michael we go. Thomas, my second pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, just look at the receivers that were on the board at that time. I mean, Michael Thomas, I, I made a joke the other day that he sweats glue. I mean, he caught 85% of the <laughs> balls that were thrown in his direction last year. He is still by far going to be the number one receiver, the number one pass catcher in what should be a pretty good Saints offense. Um, you know, I just, I, I don't think there's any way to go wrong with Michael Thomas early in your draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So as Melvin Gordon just went off the board here, uh, late second round, my question for you is if I, if I want to take a chance on Melvin Gordon, where is the, in the ideal spot for me to take him? Oh, I, I, right now, I don't know that I would touch him before, say, the fourth round. And I think that number is going to continue to drop uh, as we get further into this thing just because there's no – there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. I mean, Melvin Gordon seems dug in on his position. Mm-hmm. The Chargers seem dug in on their position. And so I just – I don't see anything really changing with that. And I, I'm not going to take a risk in the first three rounds, maybe even the first four rounds with a guy that I really truly don't know when he's going to come back. Yeah, no, that that's a good point. And uh, another another question, I guess, piling off of that, is it more likely that Melvin Gordon plays the full season or that he gets traded before the season starts? Uh, wow. I mean, I, I guess maybe traded, but I think even that is pretty uh, a pretty small chance right now. I mean, the, the, the Chargers are content to just kind of sit and, and wait for him. Um, 
you know, I, he, he has to sort of play to kind of get that extra year and get himself a little bit closer to free agency. Uh, you know, the, the Chargers aren't really in any urgent mode to do anything with him. They feel like they they can survive with Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson as their running back. So I, I just think this is going to be a standoff, and we'll see which side blinks first. All right, and going into the third round, I took Mike Evans, who I think is is you know in that top tier of receivers as far as you know his build and and his ability to make plays. And I th- I feel like Jameis Winston will make a step this year. Maybe not a big step, but he'll you know he he'll rely on Mike Evans. They've got OJ Howard. I mean, he's got a lot of weapons here. But I'm just I'm I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Is that is Mike Evans a safe pick here in the third round? I think he's definitely a safe pick. Um, you know, with, with the new the new offense with Bruce Arians there, I think there's a lot of opportunity. It, it's going to be an interesting team to watch. Uh, you know, you mentioned Jameis Winston. You know, this is this is sort of the year we kind of figure out who Jameis Winston is. But so far, I don't think we completely know. Um, but Mike Evans is always going to see targets. He's always going to make plays, and, and, and he should be just fine. And then you went Keenan Allen here, which is I think when we talk about quarterback wide receiver duos, they're they're one of the top five. In my opinion, as far as consistency, Philip Rivers, Keenan Allen. Why'd you go Keenan Allen in the third round here? Uh, I mean, look, it's PPR mock. He's going to catch the ball a lot. Um, and you talked about it. The, the Philip Rivers, Keenan Allen combination has been very productive so far uh, in the NFL. I don't, I don't see that changing this year. Uh, and again, with no Melvin Gordon, they've got to compensate somewhere. And so maybe that means a few more throws to Keenan Allen this year. All right. And we've got a couple. We had a couple of Colts players, I guess. Well, T.Y. Hilton right up here uh, next on the board. And last year, Eric Ebron and T.Y. Hilton were Andrew Luck's top two targets by far. I mean, it wasn't even close. But this year, with the addition of Paris Campbell, Deion Kane came back from injury, Jack Doyle is going to be healthy, and Naheem Hines in the backfield. Do you think that, that T.Y. Hilton and Eric Ebron are going to lose targets as a result of, you know, just Andrew Luck having simply too many weapons? Maybe. Um, you know, I mean, they, they will spread the ball around a lot, but I still think those two guys are going to see the bulk of, of the targets there in that offense. So I don't know that I would panic a whole lot about it. Um, I think, you know, if there's a guy that maybe worries me in this group, it's one you didn't mention, it's Devin Funches. Mm-hmm. Not that Funches is going to come in and, like, just hoover up all these targets, but I think he's a guy that they can use in the red zone and, and you know, get him kind of down near the goal line. He's a big body. He's got decent hands. Uh, he never really blossomed in Carolina the way they wanted him. But uh, I think he's a guy who could certainly make an impact down near the goal line, and that will have a definite impact on T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, and in round four, you went George Kittle. Do you think he has potential to repeat the you know record-breaking season he had this past year, especially now that he has Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback? Or what do you think his ceiling can uh, be for this year? Probably, I mean, probably not repeat last season because, as you mentioned, it, it was a record-breaking year for mm-hmm. him. So I, I, uh, I think that's going to be hard to duplicate. But I do think there's an opportunity for him to be very productive again this year. Part of it is, look, he has a comfort level with Garoppolo, with whoever the quarterback is in that offense. And so far in training camp, none of the wide receivers have really flashed for the 49ers. I mean, there have been reports that Dante Pettis has sort of been disappointing. Trent Taylor is hurt. We're not really sure if Marquise Goodwin can stay on the field consistently. So, you know, they're – we, we hope that some of these guys are healthy and they're to get targets, but if they're not, then the ball keeps going back to George Kittle again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and my next two picks here, uh, I'm going. I took Amari Cooper, and then I'm going to take Derrick Henry here. I mean, mainly because you're getting touchdowns with Derrick Henry. You know, the size he has, he's going to be used as that goal line guy. And Amari Cooper, he kind of revitalized the entire Cowboys offense last year single-handedly when they traded, then they traded him from Oakland. 
And so I feel like those are really good picks in this situation. Uh, one of the things I really want to focus on here is in this like round four, round five, we've got a big clump of talented guys. So Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen with the Vikings, obviously two really talented receivers, but they're going to take, you know, receptions from each other. And then in Los Angeles, you've got Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Brandon Cooks. Also three really talented guys that are going to steal from each other. Who out of those guys are you going to take? Like who, who is, who's the most trustworthy? I still think Adam Thielen is that guy, um, you know, and I don't, I don't worry so much about the Thielen Diggs combination there in Minnesota. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the things we like to call it. It's a concentrated offense, right? It's mm-hmm. it's an offense where uh, you know you, you will see there's only, the ball only goes to like a couple of different guys basically. And, you know, there's really nobody else in Minnesota that's going to take a lot of those targets. I mean, yeah. Maybe Kyle Rudolph gets a few, but it's mostly Thielen and Diggs there. Uh, maybe there's a little bit more concern in Los Angeles. I'm sitting here uh, in my sixth-round pick trying to stare. Trying to decide between Kenny Galladay and Cooper Cup. Um, and just, you know, for these people out there listening, I think I'm going to go Kenny Galladay there. Um, I like him as a third receiver. Uh, but, you know, I think in Los Angeles there's a little bit more concern about what happens between, you know, Cup and Woods and Cooks. Um, but even then, uh, you know, they, they still found a way, all three of them, to be successful last year, uh, even before Cooper Cup got hurt. And I think they'll figure out a way to kind of get all those targets. I think the fear, though, is that Robert Woods maybe gets overdrafted, forgetting that he was able to be successful in part because he moved into the slot after Cooper Cup got hurt. When Cup comes back, he may kind of take away from Woods a little bit. So I think people might be – Robert Woods could have a good season this year, but people will be disappointed if it doesn't look like what it looked like last year. Yeah, and and I was struggling with Cooper Cup as well. I decided to go Damian Williams from Kansas City just because that offense is so high powered. He's bound to get you know to reap the benefits off that because we've seen you know we saw Michael Hardman week one preseason with his blazing speed. I mean, you still have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, which yeah, he's going to lose a lot of targets, but it's really going to open up the ground game for him because Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in the league for a reason, if not the best. So I went, I went with Damian Williams with six pick uh, here. And then it brings me to my next point. So how soon do you need, do you need to think about taking a quarterback and what round is the ideal round to, to start? Or like how many picks does it take before you start thinking about going into quarterback? Uh, I tend to wait, you know, I, I tend to wait until like the ninth round. Generally, I think that that's, that has become the industry standard, if you will, to kind of wait until the ninth round. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if there's a certain guy you want, you may have to go a little bit earlier. Like earlier in the, the spring, I was really big on Andrew Luck, and I still like Andrew Luck a lot. Um, you know, but like for, to, to get Andrew Luck, you're probably going to have to make a move in like the fifth or sixth round to get him. You know, if you if you really love Patrick Mahomes, you may have to move on him in the third round uh, if you're going to get him because that's just the reality. But look, you don't you don't have to do that. You can wait until the ninth round. There's still plenty of talented guys out there. You can still get guys like. You know, a Russell Wilson. You can get, you know, uh, a Drew Brees. You can get a lot of guys in that ninth round or later uh, and still not have to worry about your quarterback position on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, you mentioned Andrew Luck. One of the biggest concerns uh, for me, because last year I took him, I had I had him, T.Y. Hilton, um, and Eric Ebron, which turned out to be, you know, really won me a lot of points because those were the three main guys in the offense. But this year... I mean, I'm thinking back to two years ago, being a Colts fan, hearing, oh, the, you know, it's just a shoulder issue, it's not that bad, and then slowly growing into, yeah, he tore his labrum, with now, uh, it's starting off as just a, a calf issue, then a, then Ursay said it was a bone thing, and now it's a high ankle sprain. I mean, how, you know, how soon 
Like, should, should there be concern with Andrew Luck? Should we worry about potentially picking him? Yeah, no, we should be worried. Uh, look, like, we've seen this movie before. You know, we, we went through this, like you said, with the shoulder a couple of years ago. And so now for it to go from maybe a muscle issue to a bone issue to a high ankle sprain, uh, it, it's very concerning. And, and I feel like at this point the Colts don't have a whole lot of credibility when it comes to talking about injury issues. So, uh, yeah, everybody should be a little bit worried. I, I've moved him down my rankings a little bit, but I still believe that if he's there and healthy, he's the QB1 this year. I think he'll have the most quarterback points, but um, it, it's getting hard to trust what's going on with him just because the Colts have done this to us before. Yeah, it's true. And I, and I feel like part of it is Andrew Luck, you know, not really making it aware because he's, you know, a tough guy and wants to play through it. But part of it is, like you said, the medical staff, because it's, it's not just him. It's been with other players as well. Uh, so and then the seventh round, I took O.J. Howard. I talked about Mike Evans a little bit. I feel like both of them are going to be the two main targets for Jameis Winston. And then you took the player I was deciding on taking, David Montgomery. And we saw what he's capable of week one in the preseason. I'm really excited about him. Tell me why you're excited about him um, and why you picked him for your team. Yeah, I, mean, I think he's incredibly talented. I think between he and Josh Jacob, that's going to be the battle for the top rookie running back in fantasy. And, and early on, I think I was on the, the side of Jacobs, but as we progressed into training camp, uh, I started to switch up and believe a little bit more in David Montgomery. He walks into a huge opportunity with Jordan Howard now in Philadelphia, so that means the ball will be in his hands plenty this year. Uh, I know they are looking to maybe get him a little bit better in pass protection, but he can catch the football. I think he does a lot of things well, and, and I think right now, uh, he's in a better offense than Josh Jacobs is. I mean, I think there are still questions about what the Raiders can be or who they're going to be. Uh, and I think right now that the Bears are a better football team, and so that's why I feel a little bit more comfortable there. That kind of brings me to my next point. Is there So you mentioned David Montgomery and Josh Jacobs. Are there other rookies that you trust in fantasy this year? Um, you know, it, it's not a great rookie year for, for fantasy. And, and one thing that we sort of pointed out, a lot of us, after the, the NFL draft this year is that just the way the draft went, especially for running backs, teams tended to draft more for depth than to find the guy to kind of take over in that backfield. Um, I mean, I think the only other rookie that really is getting a whole lot of attention is Kyler Murray. Understandably, he walks in and he becomes the starting quarterback immediately there in Arizona in mm -hmm. a very new intriguing offense. Um, you know, but, but I don't know that there are a ton of rookies that are getting a whole lot of buzz this year. Just, it just was not a great fantasy year for, for NFL drafts. Yeah, no, that, that's true. Um, and now, now that I'm looking, I just took Andrew Luck here, uh, and you took Sammy Watkins. Can you talk to me a little bit about why you took Sammy Watkins here in the eighth round? Yeah, I mean, really, look, part of it is just believing in the, the Chiefs offense, right? I mean, we know that, that Kelsey and, and uh, Tyree Kill are going to get plenty of opportunity there, but Sammy mm -hmm. Watkins very quietly had a good year last year. Um, I think some of it is just that the pressure was off. In the past, he had been asked, to be the star wide receiver, to kind of carry the load offensively. And I just don't know that he was built for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But now not having that pressure and not being the guy who's drawing all the attention from defenses allowed him to shine. And so I think, you know, we, we shouldn't overlook him when we talk about the Chiefs offense because he has the potential to go out. I mean, he's still a big play guy. He still has good speed. He can still get open. And if he's getting more targets, he can be very productive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and looking at the list here, we've got Darius Geis uh, coming up, going to be drafted soon. Obviously, tore his ACL last year, was hurt. He still hasn't played yet, hasn't practiced. Uh, if you're, well, first off, if you're a Washington fan, second off, if you're in fantasy, um, you know, do, do you take him? Is there concern that he won't be ready to go for the season? Or, you know, do you just hope he's going to be ready within these next three weeks? 
I think he'll be ready for the season. Uh, I'm staying away from him just because there's nothing about that Washington offense that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, and I think Darius Geis is a really talented player, and I think that there's something big coming in his future. I think he can still have a very good career. I just don't think it happens this year. I mean, they have major questions at quarterback, whether it's you know the rookie Dwayne Haskins or Colt McCoy or Case Keenum. They have big question marks at wide receiver, and now. The biggest thing is they have an offensive line that last year wasn't very good, got worse because they were dealing with a ton of injuries, and now they've got Trent Williams, who is a, their Hall of Fame caliber left tackle, who is holding out and saying he doesn't really want to be a part of this team anymore. He has issues with their training staff, and he just doesn't want to be there. So you can't take a bad offensive line, remove a, a great player from it, and expect to be better. There's just nothing about this setup that suggests Darius Geis can be successful unless he turns into some sort of, you know, uh, you know Marvel superhero this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just don't see it. So I'm staying away from him altogether. Yeah, and I just took Philip Lindsay here in the ninth round. Uh, I was on the wrong end of this last year when it seemed, honestly, what I've been reading into, it was just a toss-up between Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. I took Royce Freeman. didn't really work out. So I'm going Philip Lindsay here, hoping that, you know, he'll be able to show out like he did this past year. And you took Miles Sanders. So you mind talking to me a little bit about Miles Sanders, the Eagles running back? Yeah, and I guess when you ask me about other rookies, I should have mentioned Miles Sanders because he's another one that, you know, I, I liked his talent coming out of Penn State. Uh, what worried me originally was going to Philadelphia because they have so many running backs back there that I didn't know how much opportunity he was going to get. Mm-hmm. But I think right now it's come, down, it's come down to a battle between he and Jordan Howard to be the starter there in Philly. Now, you know, I don't know that that Sanders will start the year as the number one running back, but I think because of his talent and because of all the reports you're hearing out of it, by the time the year is over, uh, he may have moved up to become the uh, to become the starter there in in Philadelphia. So I I, I would I like him. Uh, I've started to like him a little bit more based on on how things have gone recently. So I had no problem taking him there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just saw Austin Eckler, the the Chargers running back, come off the board here in the tenth round. Is that a good place if you're looking, you know, if you're expecting Melvin Gordon to miss the season? Is that, do you think you need to move up on Eckler or, you know, just save him till the end or hopefully wait to see if he's out of the draft, you know, and pick him up through the waivers? Oh, no, he's going to get drafted. He is definitely going to get drafted. Um, you know, he is a guy that, even last year, he actually had standalone value even when Melvin Gordon was on the field. I mean, because of the way the Chargers used him. Now mm. that Gordon looks like he's going to miss some time. Uh, Austin Eckler becomes even more valuable. I mean, you know, I know that we're doing kind of an 18 draft, so he lasts until round 10. But I think if you're going talking about deeper drafts, 12 team leagues, what have you, mm-hmm. uh, Austin Eckler is coming off the board in like the sixth or seventh round. That's going to be the asking price for him right now because he's going to get the ball a ton as long as Melvin Gordon's not there. But even if Gordon was there, I mean, he's a guy who I think gets drafted probably in round nine or 10. So uh, he's somebody you should definitely keep an eye on. Took Matt Ryan here. So are you expecting? Are expecting big things for uh, the Falcons offense. Obviously have a ton of weapons, but you know, as far as translating to winning games, haven't really done that successfully, unfortunately, this past year. Are you expecting big things from Matt Ryan and this Falcons offense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, the thing about Matt Ryan is he's sort of boring. You know, uh, yeah, I, I for a while was taken to calling him meh Ryan because mm-hmm. he just like he doesn't do anything that's super exciting, but he puts up numbers and he just very consistently gets the ball out. He moves the offense. Uh, last year, their second year under Steve Sarkeesian, things got a lot better there in, in Atlanta. So I think they're still going to be fine. Look, man, as long as you still have Julio Jones upright and breathing, you, you have a chance <laughs> to be successful in that offense. 
Yeah, man, he's, he's got targets. You know, he's, he's got he's got Julio Jones, he's got Calvin Ridley. You know, uh, Devontae Freeman is there in that still. We'll see what happens with Austin Hooper, but there are guys to throw the football to. Year two in Steve Sarkeesian's offense you know, last year was great. I think they'll just continue to get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay, now here defenses are starting to go off the board. Here, I took the Rams defense. If you're going to draft one defense, uh, you know that you put your money on to have a successful season. Who who are you putting your money on here? You know, I mean, obviously everybody wants the Bears because, you know, they, they were so fantastic last year. Uh, you know, I would keep an eye out on the Browns' defense because I don't know that people are super fired up about them just yet. I mean, everybody's looking at some of the other bigger-name defenses. Um, but the Browns, I mean, they've got guys who can, who can get after the quarterback, who can rush the passer like Miles Garrett. They put together a really good secondary. And on top of that, because their offense is going to be so good, if they can play with a lead, that gives the defense a chance to go out and be a little bit more aggressive. So I, I think that, you know the, the, the draft price you're going to have to pay for them is not quite so steep. You can wait until the later rounds and still get them. Uh, I think they're a, a defense to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you took Christian Kirk here. Are you expecting uh, Christian Kirk and Kyler Murray to develop a strong connection here and hopefully translate to, to big points? Or what, what's, your, what's your reasoning here with Christian yeah, Kirk? absolutely. I mean, I think what, what's been interesting, and I, and I wrote about this for NFL.com, Look, everybody loves everybody loves Kingsbury's offense, or at least its potential. Everybody loves Kyler Murray. Why hasn't it translated to their wide receivers? I mean, Larry Fitzgerald, I get. I get why he's not going high. He's been great for a long time, but he's at the tail end of his career. Um, you know, but somebody's got to catch the football. Christian Kirk is young. He's athletic. He's talented. He's in a really good offense. He should be going higher than he is right now. Look, I, I will take the, the draft price discount, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I think he should start to get some more attention because of what he can be if he can stay healthy. He's playing in an offense that he's familiar with because he played in a similar one in college. Um, I just think that, that Christian Kirk deserves some more love, so, so here I am giving it to him. Yeah, okay. And week one we saw James Washington by far be the, the standout. Uh, from that week, and where the wide, wide receiver number two for the Steelers is largely in question, James An- Washington may have answered that question already. And I mean, you know, is is he worth drafting? You know, or is it just was this just a one week thing? Obviously, you're playing against second and third stringers, or is is James Washington a, le- a legitimate threat here in the Steelers' offense when the season starts? Uh, I mean, he is, but I, I think you can wait a little bit longer to draft him. I, right now, signs point toward Dante Moncrief being the number two receiver in Pittsburgh behind Juju Smith-Schuster. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about that is Dante Moncrief has not been the most durable player throughout the, the course of his career. So that means that James Washington will have an opportunity to get on the field and make some plays in that offense. So, you know, keep, keep an eye out on him. He's certainly not going to be, uh, you know, invalid this year. Mm-hmm. But I think right now the, the guy I would be targeting a little bit higher is probably Dante Moncrief. So here, let's go ahead and start just talking about uh, underrated, overrated. All right, so at quarterback, just give me one overrated quarterback and one underrated quarterback. We'll just go through the list here. Uh, well, I think overrated, and you know, it's, it's going to be kind of weird to say this, is Drew Brees. Um, and not because, not because he's fallen off or because his talent is gone or anything like that. Just that the Saints aren't going to ask him to be the guy that he used to be. You know, it used to be that, that the Saints would throw the ball over the course of the season you know, 600 times or so. They don't need to be that anymore. They have a good defense. They can run the ball effectively, whether it's Alvin Kamara or Latavius Murray. So they don't need Drew Brees to go out and be a superhero throwing the football all the time. And, and so because of that, I think his production is going to fall off a little bit. 
Um, so like, I, don't, I don't think he's going to be a bust. I don't think he's going to be terrible. He's just not going to be the Drew Brees that we used to know because that's just not what the Saints need right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think an underrated quarterback is, is probably Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, and I know people who weren't paying close attention or who kind of, you know, are just kind of checking back into fantasy. I think they look at his numbers and they see that, uh, you know, they weren't great. They hear the reports that he's not the most accurate when it comes to throwing the football. Uh, but he runs with it very effectively. He averaged almost 80 rushing yards per game when he was a starter near the end of the year last year. Uh, the Ravens coaches say they want him to run as much or even more this season with the football, and they're working on him as a passer. They're trying to develop him more as a passer to, to give him more of a threat at, with his arm. And he's working with Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator. And, and Greg Roman uh, has worked with a lot of guys with similar skill sets to Lamar Jackson. I mean, he was the guy who was the offensive coordinator when Colin Kaepernick had his best years in San Francisco. He helped Tyrod Taylor have some of his best years at the quarterback spot. So uh, Greg Roman could do some really good things, and I think that can help Lamar Jackson be a, a really big sleeper quarterback this year. Okay, yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense, definitely. I, I see where you're coming from here. So in the last round, you took Kiki Kuti, who, you know, has been t- I've been hearing a lot of things, potential to be, you know, a really standout star, especially with Deshaun Watson throwing him the ball. Uh, what do you expect realistically from Kiki Kuti this year? I mean, look, he's going to be probably the third receiver in that in that Houston offense, but mm-hmm. that's not a bad place to be. I mean, the yeah. Texans can throw the ball quite a bit. Deshaun Watson is super talented. We saw QT have some good games last year, uh, in part because of injuries, because Will Fuller wasn't available and that, and that allowed him to shine. But I think that means that that he he's shown that he can be a productive guy. Uh, when they want him to be. And so, you know, I, I think that you know, he's a guy I wouldn't mind, you know, in the later rounds of draft, kind of taking a dart throw at and, and seeing how he pans out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here we go. Running backs, overrated, underrated? Um, oof. You know, overrated right now, I think it's Kenyon Drake. I, I don't understand why he's coming off the board. You know, you know like you talk about 12-team drafts. He's coming off the board in the fifth or sixth round, and I just don't get it because – uh, you know, we saw last year when it looked like he would be the starter and the main running back. We saw Frank Gore still get a big workload there in, in Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Gore's gone to Buffalo. Now this year we thought, okay, well, Gore's gone, so maybe this means more for Kalen Balaj, but or more for, uh, for Kenyon Drake. But now Kalen Balaj is starting to get some more attention, and there's talk that maybe he could even push Drake to be the starter there in the offense. Uh, you thought, okay, it was one thing when it was the Adam Gase coaching staff there, but now there's a brand-new coaching staff, and Kenyon Drake still can't figure out a way to become the main workhorse running back. Uh, at some point, you know, they're just not that into you. And so I think for, for people to want to spend like a fifth-round pick on Kenyon Drake, I, I just can't do that. Um, underrated running backs, you know, last week I was, I was really big on Chris Carson as being underrated. But I think people are starting to clue in. I mean, he got a lot of work last year in Seattle, a, a team that they are the rare team in the NFL that runs the ball more than they throw it, and I think that's going to be the same again this year. Chris Carson was a very talented guy who got the ball a lot, um, and that certainly helped his fantasy production last season. Now there's talk that he may even catch the ball more. That was something he didn't do. That was the one knock on him, that he was not a pass catcher. But Pete Carroll came out and said the other day that they expect that uh, they're going to throw the ball a lot more to Chris Carson this year. And so suddenly the one thing that was a deficiency becomes something that maybe helps him out a little bit more. So uh, I, I really like him. I don't know if he's being underrated anymore in the last couple of days, but mm. that's, that's what I'm sticking with right now. Yeah, and speaking of Chris Carson, I just took Russell Wilson here uh, late. 
And I was kind of surprised he's still around. I mean, obviously he can make plays with his legs. He can make plays with his arm. Is it, you know, is it just lack of weapons? The reason why he has fell so far or why is Russell Wilson seemingly, you know, lasting till the 15th round in the league where he made, he should go sooner. Yeah, I mean, you would think that part of it is, you know, he loses Doug Baldwin, who retired in the offseason. That definitely is a thing there. You know, a big part of it is that last year, uh, you know, he didn't run quite as much as he had in the past. And that certainly took a lot of the steam uh, out of his, his fantasy production. Um, you know, that, that was a big part of what made him successful, was running the football and scoring rushing touchdowns there. I mean, there's a hope that Tyler Lockett steps up and plays big. There's a hope that D.K. Metcalf, the rookie, uh, can go out and, and have a decent season. But, look, if Russell Wilson's not running, he's not as productive. He still has, you know, offensive line questions in, in front of him. So, you know, that, that I think has gotten a lot of people a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here with my final pick, uh, I took Trey Quinn, which is kind of a, I mean, kind of a shot in the dark here, but I've been hearing a lot of rumors in Washington's camp that Trey Quinn has been slowly working his way up the the uh, the depth chart and could be you know as far as wide receiver too. Have you been hearing similar similar things or what uh what what have you been uh, hearing as far as Washington and and, and yeah, Trey Quinn? No, Trey, Trey Quinn's getting a lot of love in training camp. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I've had my concerns about the Washington offense as a whole. Um, yeah, but if you are going to throw a end of draft dart at somebody in that offense and one of their pass catchers. It's probably Trey Quinn, just because he seems to have become the safety blanket for whoever is playing quarterback there. Uh, A.B., so A.B. has been in the news a lot, not necessarily in the best standing. Uh, Do you think that this scuffle with the NFL will have any effect on his standing in fantasy football, or will it just be business as usual when he gets out on the field? Yeah, not really. Um, I mean, I think people have, have kind of knocked him down their draft boards more because of the offense he's in than anything that has to do with, uh, you know, whatever his helmet or his feet situation is right now. Um, you know, just the Pittsburgh offense was really productive, and, and he was able to put up some big numbers. The, the Raider offense has some questions to it, and I think that has people a little bit scared. But whatever's going on off the field isn't really going to impact his, his fantasy draft standing a whole lot. Okay, so wide receivers here. Overrated, underrated. Who do you got? Um. You know, overrated, I'm, I'm kind of going with, with Kenny Galladay, and I know that sounds weird because I drafted him <laughs> in this mock draft. Mm. Um, but like I, said, I, I took Kenny Galladay as my third wide receiver. I think people are expecting him to be kind of a wide receiver two, maybe even a fringe wide receiver one, and that the Detroit offense just isn't built for that. Uh, you know, they're going to run the football a lot. on Johnson has become uh, a name that people are really starting to pay attention to. Uh, he's starting to move up a lot of draft boards right now. And so if they do want to run the football, if they want to throw the football to carry on Johnson, that's going to come some of it at Kenny Galladay's expense. So I like his talent. Uh, I just don't necessarily like his fit. Um, underrated, uh, you know, Curtis Samuel has, uh, again, he's, he's another one, sort of like Chris Carson, where I think a couple of weeks ago, Curtis Samuel was kind of underrated and people weren't talking about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my friend and colleague, Matt Harmon, who's really smart about these sorts of things, was on Curtis Samuel from the beginning and has kind of been pounding the drum for him for a while. Uh, and I think you, you look at it, he's one, he's getting a whole lot of love in training camp. When you hear from the coaches and the other players, people are really talking about Curtis Samuel. He just seems to have a higher ceiling than DJ Moore right now. And I think, you know, I think especially when you talk about what the draft prices are for them, where, where DJ Moore was sort of a, a fifth or sixth round pick and Curtis Samuel at the time was an eighth or ninth round pick, I would much rather spend that ninth round pick on Samuel and get a similar level of production 
than I would to, to DJ Moore. Now, we'll see if that changes or not, because in the last week or so, there's a whole lot more buzz about Curtis Samuel and what he's doing down there in Carolina. But I think he's a guy that, at least as of now, isn't getting uh, the love he deserves from, from fantasy drafters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and as we finish up the, the mock draft here, what's your, what's your mindset? What are the things that you look for uh, you know, when trying to build a team and something that maybe the listeners could use as they move into the fantasy football season? Uh, I mean, it, it sounds simple, but you want guys in good offenses, right? You want mm. guys on teams that are going to move the football and that are going to score points. I mean, it, you know, I, I know that sometimes you know, it's easy to look at a bad team and say, well, okay, well, this player is going to get the ball a lot. Uh, they're going to throw the ball to this guy or that guy. And, yeah, that's true to a point, but there's a reason bad teams are bad. And so uh, it gets a lot harder to rely on one guy necessarily on a bad team, whereas you, you can look at an offense. Uh, you know, again, that's why I felt okay taking Sammy Watkins as the third pass catcher there in Kansas City because that's a really good offense. That's why I, I took a shot late at Marquez Valdez-Scantling in Green Bay because that offense has the potential to be really good uh, and so there's a chance for him to go out and be productive. Uh, you know, even guy like, a guy like Matt Breida in San Francisco, who isn't going to be the starting running back, if that 49er offense turns into what we think it can be, Matt Breida is going to have a role uh, mm-hmm. and could be very productive this year. So I just think that if you – I would rather have maybe a secondary guy in a good offense than a primary guy in a bad offense just because that bad offense is going to struggle to move the football. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're moving here right – we're right on the edge. Uh Tight ends. So there were three tight ends drafted in the first round this year. No fan, TJ Hawkinson and Irv Smith Jr. Are any of them worth it to draft maybe late in the round to potentially have a, you know, a breakout rookie season? I loved Fant immediately when he went to Denver. Uh, I mean, I loved his talent, first of all, coming out of college. But even uh, landing in Denver, because Joe Flacco loves throwing to his tight ends. I mean, that's the thing we knew about him from his time in Baltimore. So I think that, that puts Fant in a really good situation especially because they're not going to ask him to be much of a blocker. He's going to go out and, and catch the football. That's primarily going to be his job. Uh, I think T.J. Hawkinson has a chance uh, a little bit later in the season. There are reports that he may not be the starter when the year begins, but I think if you believe in his talent like I do, uh, I think there's a chance for him to go out and, and be that guy at some point in the year. Um, I liked Herb Smith earlier in the spring when I thought that, that the Vikings might not re-sign Kyle Rudolph, but if Rudolph's sticking around, I think it's going to be hard for Smith to make an impact right away. Mm-hmm. Okay, one final question here before we let you go. This is, you know, this is for our, our listeners. You will be successful in fantasy football if... Finish the statement. You'll be successful in fantasy football if, you know... If you, you just you, you stay with it and play the waiver wire and you are active. I mean, I know everybody loves drafting, and it's fun. It is great. It's, it's how you kind of start the foundation of your team. But seasons are not won or lost in the draft. They are won or lost week to week uh, by sort of keeping up with the news, uh, you know, by making moves on the waiver wire, by trying to make trades, and by always just trying to improve your team. So don't, you know, don't feel like you drafted well, and now I'm going to stand pat on that because – it's a long season and so many things happen, but as long as you are still out there and kind of tinkering and trying to make improvements, uh, you are likely to be more successful. And honestly, you'll probably have a little bit more fun too. <laughs> awesome. Well, Marcus, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great talking with you a little bit, being able to do the mock draft. Thanks for coming on. Hey, I appreciate it, Jonathan. And I'll be posting both of our drafts, uh, who we all drafted on, on Twitter and on Instagram, so that way you guys can get a chance to uh, – you know, tell us where we went wrong or, you know, give us, give us advice on where we could have gone better. But that's going to do it here for the episode. 
Uh, be sure to stay tuned. You can find all our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, or Anchor. 